today. And it's called, and you see the graphic on the screen, it's called Deep Talks with Jesus. And so we're going to be, for the next number of weeks, okay, leading up to Easter, we're going to really zero in on John chapter 13 to the end, chapter 21. But the deep talks part, okay, is John chapters 13 to 17. Jesus has a really extended conversation with his followers, okay? So in these chapters, 13 to 17, Jesus has a really deep talk with his followers. And this is what I want you to to see as we start this series. He's actually laying a foundation for what the church should look like if the church is the church of Jesus. Like, that's what Jesus is doing. He's having this conversation because he's, he's talking to a group of people that he knows is going to go out, they're going to take his message, and they're going to proclaim it to the world. And they're going to establish communities like this. So TC is a, is a little community of Jesus followers in Thunder Bay, okay, in 21st century Canada, And what Jesus wanted to do in this conversation he had with his disciples was he wanted to establish, like, what does it look like to be a community of Jesus followers 2,000 years from now? Like, what does that feel like? What does it look like? What should people sense when they walk in the room? What should people's relationship with each other look like? What should their understanding of God be? Like, it's a really profound conversation Jesus has with his followers. And so we're calling it Deep Talks with Jesus. And there's been lots of titles for this section of Scripture and uh, we're, we're going to go with uh, the mission discourse, okay? So in this section of Scripture, okay, and I don't want to just, just, you can just kind of hang on to this. I don't want to lose you with this. But the mission discourse, Jesus is like, he's laying the foundation to, for his disciples of what his church will look like and what it will look like to actually be on mission in the world, in their world back 2,000 years ago, but then in our world today. So if you've ever had questions, and maybe you're here today and you don't even know where you stand in relation to the faith, but if you've ever had questions of like, yeah, but like, what does it look like to live for Jesus when I leave this room? Because in here, you know, we, we sing worship songs and we pray together, we, we dive into the scriptures together, and it, and it can be pretty clear uh, as far as what to do because we're engaged with the scriptures and, and Jesus' words and we're worshiping God and we're taking communion right? But what does it look like in your workplace or with your family who wants nothing to do with conversations about God? Or what does it look like when you lose a loved one, right? When when you're in the midst of a really difficult situation and you lose a loved one? Or what does it look like when you're battling addictions or when you're with somebody who's battling addictions? Like, what does it look like in those times to be a Jesus follower? And there's some really incredible uh, things that Jesus has to say to his followers. Because what he's preparing them for, he's not preparing them for an hour on a Sunday morning. Like this conversation Jesus has that we're just about to dive into, he's not, he's not giving this to say like, okay, here's what church looks like at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings for the next thousands of years till I come back. But the rest of the week, you're on your own, right? <laughs> Imagine if that was Jesus' words. He's like, I'm going to give you instructions for an hour out of the week, and then the rest of it, you just kind of figure it out. Like he wasn't talking about just the Sunday morning gathering or whenever it is you gather to worship. He was actually laying a foundation for what it looked like to be a community of Jesus followers in the midst of a culture of people that sometimes are hostile to him. What does that look like? There's some really good stuff in this deep talks with Jesus. So I want to pray uh, before we, we jump into this. 
because I'm, I'm, my desire is that we're going to hear what the Lord has to say, uh, including me. As, as the one that is preaching this this morning, I want to hear what God has to say more than what I have to say, <laughs> believe me. Uh, my desire is to hear him and to be led by his words. And the hope of this section is that Jesus gives us that hope that we can actually hear God and that we can be led by his Holy Spirit. It is incredible. Um, so let's pray before we, we dive in. Lord, I, I just want to thank you for your word. Um, and we're going to jump into this series, Deep Talks, with, with you. Uh, this was a, a conversation that was recorded that happened a couple thousand years ago with your followers, and you were laying the foundation for how they were to go and interact with each other and then with the world. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we need your words as much or more today as was needed back then. We, we want to be a community of your followers. We, we want to we behave the way that you want us to behave. We want to look the way that you want us to look. Not, not the way we want, not our desires, but yours. And so, God, we just invite you into this conversation, and I just pray that we would hear what you have to say as we look into this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read uh, John chapter 13, 1 to 17, but before I do, I want to give an illustration that is, is hopefully going to set uh, the stage for this conversation. So, and I just want you to know, I'm going to talk about Starbucks for a second, and this is not a plug for Starbucks, okay? I'm not saying you should drink Starbucks. Um, I am saying if you ever feel like you want to bring me one, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I'm just joking. But, okay, I'll just... So the, this, and you're going to see why I'm using this as an illustration. So uh, personally, when I go and study to prepare for a sermon, I love going to a coffee shop. And usually I go to local coffee shops. If it's a city where I know where there's a good local coffee shop that's got good Wi-Fi and it's got a good atmosphere. But my go-to, when I'm traveling, my, my go-to is Starbucks because I know, I know something about the culture of Starbucks. Like, I, I really, I know what I'm expecting when I go walking into a Starbucks coffee shop, right? So I did my internship uh, for pastoring. I did it in Detroit. And I remember when I was looking for a coffee, there was a Starbucks, like, on this busy street in Detroit. And I was like, I kind of felt a little bit like I was going into this place that was like a home. Because I, I know, what it's, I know what's going to happen there. I know what the people are going to be like and what to expect, all those things. And uh, I remember one time I was driving across uh, the country. We were headed back to New Brunswick, and I think we were somewhere around North Bay or, or Sudbury or something. Went to a Starbucks, and the guy, and we were just going through the drive-thru. I didn't go in. And uh, the guy on the little, you know, like the little thing where you talk into, I forget what that's even called, but where you make your order. Well, I, I made my order, and the guy goes, uh, he says, welcome to Starbucks, where you're the star, and we take your bucks. <laughs> And it was like it cemented it for me. I was like, these are my people. Like, I like people like that, right? Like, just kind of make light of it. Like, I felt like a star for a second, and then I realized they're kind of in it for the money, and like, they're getting my bucks, and I was like, but at least they're honest, right? Like, they were pretty straight up about their motives, and so it made me feel good. Uh, but last, last spring, I was with Caleb. We went, I spoke at a youth rally just outside of Ottawa, and uh, went to visit Caleb's family. And so this is Caleb right here, if you don't know who I'm talking about, if you're in front of me. Uh, we went to visit his family. They live not far from Ottawa, and uh, we decided to go visit. And Caleb's sister is, uh, or was at the time, she was studying to be like one of the managers in Starbucks. And so we were all sitting around the table, and we just got talking, and I was asking about her work, and she was telling me about the training at Starbucks. And she said, you know, they train us at Starbucks to be servant leaders. I was like, 
what? Like they use that word servant leader. She's like, yeah, they, they train us to be servant leaders. These are the five features of a Starbucks organizational culture. Servant leadership, relational driven approach, collaboration and communication, openness, inclusion, and diversity. Okay, so you're wondering, okay, so why am I telling you this? If you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, you're like, why are you talking about Starbucks? You should be talking about the Bible, okay? I want, the reason I wanted to use this as an illustration was that you, you can think of any place that you like to go where there's a lot of them across a country. You kind of know what to expect. You know what you're going in for. But it's because as an organization, they've come up with like, this is kind of who we are. This is how we operate. So when they set up across the country or across multiple countries, you, you, you know what you're uh, walking into. You know what to expect. There's a familiarity, right? It's similar. So Jesus, in this section we're about to dive into, he's like laying the groundwork for what it's going to look like to be the church of Jesus, what it's going to look like to be the community of Jesus. That's what he's laying the foundation for. Okay? Starbucks is not that. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying Starbucks is this gospel-centered organization or anything like that, okay? But the example, like, and, and I'm sure you can relate with it, there's places you go where you, you know what it is you're about to expect. Jesus is laying a foundation in this section of Scripture for what it's going to look like to be his community, his followers. So we're going to read uh, John chapter 13, and we're just doing 1 to 17 today. And I'm just going to pull out two vital truths uh, about this section. And you can follow along on the screen or, or in your Bible if you have one with you. So John chapter 13 says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put it on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So the two truths that are in this are incredibly important. And the first one lays the foundation for the second one. And so the first truth that Jesus is communicating to us from this passage is that followers of Jesus must be washed by Jesus. 
Okay, secondly, Jesus followers are a community of foot washers. But you, you can't do the second until you understand the first. So followers of Jesus must be washed by Jesus. So what, what is the way in to the community of Jesus followers? Like, how do you become a part of that community? Most people that are outside of the church, they have this, this thinking that the church is for people that are like, really good. And, and I hear it all the time because people will say to me something along the lines of like, well, I couldn't really go. I don't really feel like I fit in there. I don't really feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like my life is put together enough. And whenever people say that, um, I have this compassion, but there's also this frustration because when I read the words of Jesus, my, I go, really, that's not what it's about. Like you, you can't possibly earn your way into the community of Jesus followers. You can't possibly be good enough. If you follow the ministry of Jesus closely, you realize that actually some of the people that were the best were the furthest from him. Some of the people whose lives were the most together, as far as the world was concerned, are the furthest away from Jesus. And then some of the people whose lives were the messiest and had the biggest struggles and the biggest challenges were the ones that seemed to be on the inside which is kind of weird. That disrupted things in the days of Jesus because it was like the people that were sort of looked down on sometimes seemed like they had a front row seat or they were the first ones in. And Jesus, and this is what I want you to understand, what is going on in this passage of Scripture is that followers of Jesus are people who are washed by Jesus. So if I asked you this question, like, do you like it when people do things for you? Most of us would probably, uh, maybe with our words, we'd say, yeah, I don't mind that. But when it came to actually letting somebody do something for you, you'd probably get uncomfortable. Like if, if somebody that you respected, okay, came to your house, and then they got down on their knees and they started like, you know in the baseboards of your house where the, like, the dirt collects and you don't think anybody really notices that? Or when you're cleaning up for somebody to come over, you might clean everything else up, but you might not get down and scrub the baseboards down in your basement, but can you imagine this person that you have, like, high esteem for and respect, they, they come to your house and they get down on their knees and they start scrubbing, like, the grime on the baseboards behind, like, your toilet or something? Can you imagine that? Like, how awkward would that make you feel, right? When, when it's somebody that, like, somebody that you esteem, somebody that you, you're, like, you love that person, you, you want to be, you want them to be impressed with you, you want to be around them, and they just, they come into your house and they start doing this really dirty task. Wouldn't, wouldn't that make you feel, like uncomfortable? Or would you be like, yeah, that's great. Thanks. I was hoping somebody would do that, right? <laughs> like as parents, I'd probably be like, Malachi, why didn't you clean the baseboards before this guy came over, right? Like, what are you doing, Mal? Right? Like we would probably blame somebody else. Like you got to understand like Jesus, that's, that's how his disciples felt when he got down on his knees and started to clean the feet of his disciples. It was a job in those days that was reserved for the lowest slaves, okay? So even in the slave system back in those days, there was like slaves that were kind of up here and slaves that were middle of the road and then the lowest of the low. So it was the kind of job that, you know, upper level slaves weren't even asked to do. But Jesus gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. And they can't understand it. You have to realize this is near the end of Jesus' life. Th these, these people that have been following Jesus around, and there was more than 12, by the way. There's 12 that we kind of know the names of, but there was, there was quite a few people that were his followers. 
Like, they had seen him do miracles. They had seen him cast demons out. They had seen him, like, pray, and all of a sudden food was provided for 5,000 people. They'd seen Jesus do all of these absolutely incredible things, and now they're in this room, and he's having the final conversation with them, this deep talk that they're about to have with Jesus. He's about to lay the groundwork for, for what it's like to be the, the, his followers in years to come, and he, and he gets down on his knees and starts to wash their feet. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 again. It says, let's be up on the screen. Jesus, I want you to catch something really powerful in this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That statement in verse 3, Jesus knew that he was from God and that he was going back to God. So in verse 3, we're told Jesus knew who he was. His identity was, was set, that he's, he's God. He's got all authority. He could say or do whatever he wants, okay? That's verse 3. Then in verse 4, it says, so he gets up and begins to wash the feet of his disciples, that is so backwards to me because I'm like, if you or I got to the point where we realized that we, we have authority or we have power, or we are someone or something, probably our next act would be self-focused in some way, but not Jesus. The statement is made that he, he knew he was God. He knew who his identity was, and then he gets down and he does the most, like the dirtiest job. And you know what's crazy about this passage of Scripture is that Peter, he gets to Peter, and Peter does what most of you and I probably would do. He goes to wash Peter's feet, and Peter's like, no, no, you're not touching me. There's no way. Because Peter knew who Jesus was, too. He's like, Peter was like, no, you're the, you're the Messiah. You're the Savior. Our job is to serve you. Like, I'm not letting, you can't wash my feet. And then Jesus says to Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. You know what, I want to I make this really clear, because this, this is a really important part of this teaching from Jesus. He washes the feet of his disciples, and he makes the statement, the only way that you can have a relationship with me is if I wash you. That's the way in. There's, there's no other way in. You can't be good enough. You can't earn it. You can't be born into it. Like, the only way in is if I wash you. You know, a lot of people have this idea about religion, about Christianity, that it's this, this religion of like trying to boss people around. You know, you need to fix your life up. You need to do better. You need this, that. It's, like, it's about kind of like rules and regulations. Like this passage says no. You know what Jesus is showing us in this passage? Like that God in the flesh took the role of the lowest slave in order to cleanse his followers. Like, that the one that holds all power, the one that has all authority, got down on his hands and knees and scrubbed the gross, dirty feet of his disciples. And when Peter tried to reject Jesus doing this, Jesus said to him, he said, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but later you will. So that, that says that in verse 7. I think it is. You don't understand what I'm doing right now, but later you will. And what Jesus was saying was he's, he was pointing forward to the cross. Jesus was saying, I, like, I am going to the cross. I am taking the lowest position. Like, to go to the cross in, in, in those days um, was to be a criminal, was to be shamed, 
Jesus would have died on the cross naked in absolute utter shame, but that was the way that he saved you and I. And what Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, if you don't receive this, you can't have any part with me. You have to be cleansed by me. That is the way in. So the first lesson we learn in this incredibly powerful passage, and, and it's the first thing Jesus does in this deep talk, in this kind of laying the foundation for what it's like to be the church, is he says, if you want to be my follower, you have to be washed by me. Have you, and this is the question I want to ask you to just think about, but have you been washed by Jesus? Like, have you opened your heart to Jesus? Have you, have you confessed sin? Have you, like Peter, like Peter and the rest of the disciples, they had to confess that, yes, their feet were dirty, Symbolically, that's like what you and I do when we go, I need to be washed by God. I've let bitterness and anger and resentment and hatred and lust and whatever it is into my heart, and I, and I, need, I need the washing of Jesus. So what Jesus was doing when he got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet, he's pointing forward to the cross, which points forward, we do communion at least once a month here in this church. Communion represents the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of, of Jesus, when we take communion, it says that we're, we're remembering his death and his resurrection until his return. But it's also this reminder that we were made right with God because of Jesus' broken body and spilled blood. But we have to receive it. Have you been washed by Jesus? And, and, and I just want to encourage you, when you think about whether or not you're in, whether or not you're a part of the, the in crowd of the church, like, don't think about whether or not you're a good person or you've earned it, like, go back to this text and go like, have I been washed by Jesus? Have I received his service to me? And it takes, it's, it's humbling to do that. For a human being that is flawed and has made mistakes and messes to receive the cleansing of God, where you realize like he actually took the role of a slave to do that, that's, that's humbling. It does something to your heart when you realize what it takes to be made right with God and what Jesus did. The second lesson from this, and so you, you can't get to the second lesson unless you've been impacted by the first, right? Because the second one is an application. The first one is like, we receive Jesus. Like, so if you're not a follower of Christ today, I just want, you to, just want you to have that picture in your mind of what Jesus has done for you and realize that's the kind of Savior that he is. But once you've experienced him that way, once you've been cleansed by him, once he's come in and, and made his home in your heart, then there's a response. Something changes inside of us. And Jesus uses the example of what he's done to say, now this is how I want you to interact with each other. This is where the application uh, comes in. When I was ordained in 2019, they, uh, the gift that they gave all the pastors that were being ordained on that day was this wash basin with a towel. And the point of the gift was to remind pastors, like when you go into pastoral ministry, like, it's not this platform that makes you look good. Like, that, if, if that's in your heart, then don't get ordained today. The, the point of this, this gift was to say, Jesus taught us, when he was laying his foundation for what it looks like to be a community of Jesus followers, Jesus was saying, what we look like to each other is we become foot washers for each other. We serve each other. It's a pretty humbling thing. This sits on my desk in my office. And so, every once in a while, I look up and I see this this basin, and it's this reminder of, like, of Jesus' words that like, he said to his followers, he's like, now that I, your master, have done this for you, how much more should you do this for each other? 
Like, that's really the basis of how we relate with each other is this, like, servanthood. It's this willingness to get down on our knees like our master and to serve each other. And so I want you to, like, just think back to the, the Starbucks illustration that I used at the beginning, okay? There's this, like, uh, familiar feel when you walk into a Starbucks. You know what you're expecting, and it's because they have these five uh, principles that they live by, they operate by. So similarly, in a church, like, what does it look like in 21st century Canada to be a group of Jesus followers? One of the main things, one of the, the first things Jesus says here in this deep talks with his followers is that we are a community of foot washers to each other. That's how we relate with each other. We are a community of foot washers. That's a profound uh, it's a statement that Jesus made, but it requires action on our part. Verses 12 to 17, they'll be up on the screen. It says, Jesus is saying, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, as a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Uh, we have some buckets coming out right now, and we're going to just take, I'm just joking, <laughs> take our shoes off, wash each other's feet. No, because we're all terrified. I'm just joking. Um, what Jesus is saying here, this is not, obviously this is not a practice that is common to us today. Okay, in 21st century Canada, you've probably, unless you were part of a church service that did this, you've probably never gone into somebody's home and like removed your socks and had them wash your feet or had their children wash your feet or something. Like that would be really strange for us. And so what Jesus isn't, what he's not saying here is like, okay, if you're really a Jesus follower, then you will physically wash everybody's feet that's also a Jesus follower or part of a community. But symbolically, what he's saying is like, that is how we serve each other. That's what it looks like when Christians get together is there's this service to each other. Because if our master, if our Lord, if God Almighty, if God in the flesh is willing to get down on his knees and wash the feet of his followers, how much more should we, for each other, act that way? How much more should we be willing to serve each other in the same way that Jesus modeled? And I just want you to think about what, what would Transformation Church look like if this is how we interacted with each other on a regular basis? You know, one of the things that, and, and, and this isn't always wrong, but in leadership teaching, you hear often uh, the, the, <clears throat> the recommendation, like, find what you're good at and, and focus on that. Do that thing. And there's some truth to that. And as a pastor, I'm always trying to figure out, like, how can I be a better communicator? How can I be a better leader? How can I be a better pastor? And a lot of the leadership <clears throat> literature would say, you know, don't do the things that anybody else can do. Just do the thing that you're really good at, that you thrive in, and, and kind of focus on that. And, and there's some truth to that. But when I go to Jesus' words, like, I read the scriptures, and I'm like, I'm like, ah, maybe. But what Jesus is saying here is he's like, actually, I want you to find the thing that nobody else wants to do and do that. It's pretty convicting. I'm tempted to go with the line of thinking that's like, I'm going to focus on what I'm good at. I'm going to focus on the things that bring me joy and things that make me happy. And that's, that's not necessarily bad. But you have to be willing to take Jesus' word seriously. He says, but I also want you to do the thing that anybody could do, but nobody wants to. It's pretty convicting, isn't it? 
Jesus sounds a lot different than all the leadership gurus and popular voices that, that we hear. Jesus is like, no, no, I want you to be willing to do the job that only a child would do or be expected to do or that only a slave would be expected to do. I want you to, like, if you want to be my, if you want to be a community that looks like me, you should have a community filled with people that are willing to do the dirty. Right? Because if the master, if the savior does that, if that's how he acts and behaves, how much more his followers, how much more his children. And that's what a community of Jesus followers looks like. You know, think back to the, the Starbucks illustration. You know you're in a Starbucks when certain things go uh, the way that you expect or, you know, what you've experienced in the past. But similar, if you're like, I wonder if this is a, follow, a, a community of Jesus followers, there's certain things that should be a part of that. One of them is acts of service for each other, a willingness to do the grunt work or the dirty, just in an act of love and service. I'm going to give a a personal opinion, and I want to say it that way, and then, and then I'm going to bring this to a close. Um, I've always wrestled. I remember in the, the city that I grew up in, there was this big church, and <clears throat> whenever I'd go, I'd drive into the parking lot, there was like a sign that said, Senior Pastor, and it was right by the door. Uh, and I would, and I, I would, for some reason, it always bothered me, or I was like, like, so is that kind of the goal, is like to get to the highest position in the church, and then you get the best parking, you don't have to walk across the cold, and all the stuff. And like, it just used to frustrate me, right? And I wasn't a part of a church at that time. I kind of had a negative view of the church. And I used to be bothered by that. I was like, like, if, if you're the, according to Jesus, like, if you're the, like, the highest leader, you should probably be the most servant-hearted, according to Jesus' words, right? Uh, and, and the reason I'm saying this as a personal opinion is because I don't think it's bad when churches do that. I hope if you're a part of a church that has like a senior pastor parking, that's not a bad thing, okay? But I was just trying to wrestle with like, what, what does it look like for me to be a Jesus follower? You know, and when I saw that, I was like, I, I don't want to be tempted to think that the, 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 the higher I get in, in Christian leadership, the more people are going to serve me and the better it is for me. Because when I read the words of Jesus, he's, he's saying the higher you get in Christian community and Christian leadership, the more of a servant you should be, right? And I didn't want to be drawn to like, I want to get to the point where people serve me. And uh, Anyway, fast forward a few years later, I was in Bible school and I, had to, and I was studying preaching and I had to go interview a couple pastors. And I went and interviewed the pastor of this church that had this parking lot sign. Uh, and I went in and I just want to say it was, an, it was probably one of the best interviews I did during my four years of Bible school. This guy, like the humility of this guy, his love for Jesus, his love for the church, I still think back to that conversation and it impacted me in a deep and profound way. So I wanted to say that just to say, I'm not saying that, you know, the parking lot sign thing is like, is bad. But when, when we think about Jesus' words and take them seriously, are we willing to actually become more and more servant-hearted the closer we get to Jesus? Or is there this desire in us that like, oh, some of those things are kind of beneath me. I don't really need to do that stuff anymore. Because according to Jesus, he's saying, if you want to be a part of my church, my followers, like this, this ethic, this, this way of living has to be common amongst you of serving each other in, in a self-sacrificial kind of a way. And I just want to encourage you, like even in the city, you know, we have lots of different ministries that are represented here this morning. And I talked about the, the walk that we're doing. Um, do, do you listen for if the Lord is leading you to serve in some way, and maybe even if it's in a way that you wouldn't really want to do? Like, are, are you listening for that? 
And, and believe me when I tell you, I'm not saying that with guilt in a finger-pointing way. I'm saying that because when I actually take the words of Jesus seriously, I'm deeply convicted to go, okay, Lord, I want to be willing, just like you're teaching your followers, to serve the way that you modeled servant-hearted leadership. Like, I want to do it the way you say, not the way the world says. I don't want to chase after the things that just make me happier that I want, that I desire. I want to do it according to the way that you say. And I just want to ask you the question, do, do you do that? Do you listen for like, Lord, are you asking me to serve in this way that might be difficult or even demeaning? And, and not motivated by guilt. If you leave today and you're like, oh, I better go and do something gross just because I'm supposed to, like, don't do that, okay? I'm not, like, it's not a guilt-motivated thing. But, and that's why I said you can't have, and this is how I want to close this, you can't have the second until you've experienced the first. This, this is where we're going to uh, close and bring the worship team up. But the, the first lesson in this passage is that you must be washed by Jesus. If you know that you've been washed by Jesus, if you, like, you put yourself in that scene and you picture Jesus, the Savior, God in the flesh, on his knees, washing the dirty, your dirty feet, if you know that you've been washed by him, there's a profound change that happens in your heart. And then you're enabled to say, okay, I'm going to go live that way as far as how I treat and serve other people. I'm going to invite the team to come up. I'm going to close with a couple songs and my question to you, there's two. The first is, have you been washed by Jesus? And then secondly, if you've been washed, if you've received his washing, uh, have you become like him? Have you put into practice his servant-hearted leadership in the way you interact with others? And we're going to get here in this series uh, because it's coming in these deep talks with Jesus. You can't do this outside of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus, in this passage, he's going to get there. He's going to, he's going to tell his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And what he's, the reason he does that is because he's saying, the things I'm asking of you, the things I'm requiring, you can't do that in your own strength. It's not about being good enough or, or like using your self-will in, in such a way that you whip yourself into shape. Like Jesus is saying, what I'm asking of you, you can't do that in your human strength. You have to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And so it's this daily prayer of like, God, I just, like I'm falling short, but please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so if, you, if you're tempted to feel guilty from today's message, that is not the intent. That's not Jesus' intent. That's not my intent. But if you're convicted and the Holy Spirit is challenging you, then you're hearing his voice. And I would encourage you to ask for his help, ask for his filling as you go and put into practice uh, his teaching and his way. Let's pray and we'll close with these two songs. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, these deep talks with you, they are deep and they are profound and they go against the grain of our culture and goes against the grain of some of the things that we would like to believe. They're challenging but Lord, your promise is that you will not leave us alone, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you will enable us to do what we couldn't do on our own. And so God, I just pray that uh, you would help us to become the kind of people that look the way that you desire for us to look, that we would be a community of Jesus' followers, uh, not just by what we believe or what we profess to believe, but, but because of how we behave, that we would behave in such a way that reflects your kingdom and, and reflects your teaching and reflects your authority and your leadership. Would you do that among us, we pray. I pray for a blessing on every person. And just as we sing these last couple songs, may we sense your presence. And as we go from this place, uh, Lord, may we put into practice 
uh, your truths. In Jesus' name.